You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. And today, let's break down what we know about Kenyon Green and how to replace his production on the offensive line. And is it really that big of a deal to lose someone of his potential? This episode of Lock on Aggies is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one option when it comes to financing your own businesses now today. Go visit netsuite.com slash NCAA for special end of the year financing with the number one financial system for growing businesses across the country. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube.com. If you aren't subscribed to the YouTube channel, well, just hit that button right down below. You want to hit that big red button. I know you want to hit that big red button. And of course, you can listen to us every single day at the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, my name is Cole Thompson. Name right down there below for those of you who are watching on Twitter. I love public feedback. I'm the host of the show. So anything you can do to make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, Give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. I'm going to go do my first rant real fast. Let's get it out of the way. It's going to be a very short episode today. There's a lot going on. There's so many bowl games that we got to get to. I have to go for my other job as well. But it was important for me to be able to come on and give you the show. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Um, what the hell is going on with the SEC? I mean, honestly, what the hell is going on with the SEC? And the good news is for Texas A&M, I'm going to be blunt. And you guys are not going to like this answer. And I don't really care. A&M would get curb stomped by Wake Forest the way that their roster is right now. Because of COVID cases. Now, fully healthy? Fully back? Like, fully everything? No, I think A&M wins this game. But with how many COVID cases are out there, with how many players we're probably going to miss, and you include the opt-outs, A&M was not going to win this football game against Wake Forest. Wake Forest has basically every single player wanting to finish the year out strong for their first 11-win season. They're going to play hard, and they're going to absolutely dominate Rutgers in the next couple hours. That's 100% going to happen. I don't need to waste a lot of time going into that. But think about this for a second. The one team that has won the bowl game, this year, in the SEC, the lone standing person is South Carolina. South Carolina, the guy that people were like, really? South Carolina? Like, that that school? They really that good? Jimbo Fisher came out and said multiple times, came out and said a thousand times, do not sleep on Shane Beamer. Do not sleep on the Gamecocks. And yes, Texas A&M got a huge monumental win right before their bye week over South Carolina. But you watch the way that South Carolina played this year without really a good quarterback, without really an option at a linebacker, with a lot of opt-outs, with a lot of players transferring last second, getting out of the system. And with seven wins, beating North Carolina, a preseason top 10, along with Texas A&M, that's monumental in my opinion. That's absolutely monumental. It's such a big deal for a program like that. But they're the one team. That's it. Missouri, absolute boat raced by the likes of Army. And yeah, they won by a field goal. It's Army. They don't throw the football. You have to be able to run. And guess what? They're the worst run defense in the SEC and the second worst run defense in FBS this season. You look at the likes of Florida getting absolutely obliterated and embarrassed in their own home state in the Gasparilla Bowl against UCF. 
Yeah, the ones that consider themselves national champions, you know, that team, you know, that we're national, we're number one. Yeah, that team absolutely boat raced an SEC team. Auburn, I don't care what you said. I don't care what the score says. I don't care what anything says. No, Auburn got their butts whooped in their own backyard in Birmingham, in the Birmingham Bowl, by the Vulcan, uh, you know, in front of the Vulcan, by Houston, a future Big 12 team that got their 12th win of the year. And honestly, Houston deserved better. Houston, that did their job, won every single game except for the first and the 8AC championship this year, did not need to be playing in the Birmingham Bowl. I'm glad they did because you want to know why. It shows that Houston actually is improving and they are looking like the team that I think a lot of people imagine. And Brian Harson is not doing good. Brian Harson is not making a lot of people happy right now at Auburn. A lot of people are upset that Brian Harson is still the head coach after one season. It ain't looking pretty. And then, Tennessee. Tennessee-Purdue is the game of the year. I'm going to go out and say that right now. I don't think there's going to be another game this season right now that I look at on the schedule. Arkansas, Kentucky, um, you know, you have Penn State, you have Iowa, you have a couple of other teams. That's the game of the year. Because it was a show-off, pound-for-pound action that both these teams actually can contend in the future. Purdue has somehow hovered around 500 for the last, what is it now, five years or so with Jeff Brom. But they've gotten some monumental wins. They've gotten some really, really big wins. Ohio State a few years ago. Um, if anyone does not know that story, go ahead and look it up at the Tyler Trent. It's a fantastic story. And you also look at the likes of uh, this past year beating Iowa. Like, absolutely beating Iowa. Beating the crap out of Iowa, too. Like, it wasn't even a game. And they did this without George Karloffis, their star edge rusher, and David Bell, their number one wide receiver. And Aiden O'Connell did throw a couple of interceptions, and it wasn't pretty. But he threw for over 400 yards. Tennessee, meanwhile, has Hendon Hooker, who also is returning next season instead of going pro. How Virginia Tech let that man walk away is absolutely mind-boggling bonkers to me. Because of basically now, you get him with Josh Heupel, who's known for working with quarterbacks, who's known for working with uh, players of this caliber, who's known for building and, and, and getting the most out of, his, uh, out of his offensive production, and you add that to the mix. And you, we can go ahead and we can go ahead and argue about what happened in the last play. Was it a touchdown? Was it not a touchdown by Tennessee? We can do all that. But the fact is that we call the SEC the conference where, quote-unquote, it just means more. Well, right now, the more is we have no Texas playing in a bowl game, which is coming to the SEC, and Oklahoma curb-stomped Oregon without its head coach. A lot of players opted out, and of course, they had big game Bob back on the sideline. And South Carolina won, and that's it. I don't know what to make anymore. I really don't. I get that bowl games are losing its trend because if you're seeing the star players say, I'm going to opt out, I'm going to go pro, I'm not going to go ahead and hurt my body, hurt my draft chances, and I get it. But my goodness, something is up in the water in the SEC. I don't know if we gave people just laxatives and put them in their water and they just completely crap the bed, but when you watch SEC football, that's not SEC football. And I'm thankful right now as we close out 2021 that Texas A&M will not leave a lasting impact of the 2021 season with a bowl game where they probably were not going to win against a lowly ACC team. And yes, I know a lot of people are going to be pissy at me. A lot of people are probably going to be like, how dare you say A&M? And it's a fact. It's a fact. Walk-ons against an actual Power 5 program get curb stopped. And when you look at the SEC, Florida, Missouri, Auburn, 
um, uh, Tennessee. Throwing a few more names in there while you're at it. The fact of the matter is that you're watching SEC teams get curbside, and the last thing you want is that SEC bias to come out. I'm not going to be biased here. With a non-tenured roster of players who are on scholarship, AM does not win this game. Because Sam Hartman's playing in this game. The linebacker, who is a complete stud, is playing in this game. Their star running back is playing in this game. A lot of players who have an opportunity to go pro said, I want to play in this game. And AM would be playing a lot, a lot of walk-ons or a lot of players who have zero experience. That does have a factor in this game. And again, I'm going to say this right now. Wake Forest is a good team offensively. They suck defensively. They are absolutely sucking defensively. But you're starting Blake Boast. You're starting Blake Boast in this game. That's all I need to know. I'm thankful that AM's not playing this game. Because right now the SEC is in a, con- is in a conflux. And you're watching how these games are going. It ain't pretty. I mean, it is not pretty whatsoever. When Shane Beamer and South Carolina, the team that people projected to have four wins, four wins on the year, is the one team that actually has won a bowl game, that's a little concerning. Just a little, little bit concerning. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes, and you miss. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because of your relying on spreadsheets and outdated financial software to see the full pitch full picture. If you do, well, you need to go ahead and upgrade with NetSuite and Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control for your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and much, much more. NetSuite is everything you need and all growth in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close the books in no time while staying ahead of the curve. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And for New Year's, go ahead and get yourself a new product with NetSuite. And they have a deal for you. Go visit netsuite.com slash locked to visit this once-in-a-lifetime kind of financing offer. Number one in financial system growth in businesses today. netsuite.com slash locked. L-O-C-K-E-D locked. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for making your first listen to your team every day. Now make sure that you're listening to the Ultimate College Football Preview, instant analysis, updated information of everything going on with Cotton Bowl, and of course the, uh, the Orange Bowl later on tonight. Go ahead and listen for all draft picks, all analysts, all that and much, much more. Go ahead and subscribe to the Ultimate Playoff Preview right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, so I said this was going to be a quick podcast. I am I, I am actually keeping it to to a very minimum because if I do think that there's only two options that you can do, and I'll break both of them down real fast. Number one, when you look at Kenyon Green, this is the guy who is the staple of your offensive line. The last three years, he has been the go-to guy. He has been an All-American. He has played everywhere in the trenches, left tackle, right tackle, right guard, left guard. Didn't play center, but he did play the other four positions and had success at all four. Now, wasn't a superstar at left tackle, was really better suited to play inside, and I do think at the NFL level, that's where he's going to find his home. But he is going to be a very highly touted prospect. I think I've talked to a couple scouts. They've said as high as number eight they could go, as low as probably number 22. A team like the Los Angeles Chargers makes a lot of sense. They need to protect their franchise quarterback. He's a guy that you can go plug and play right away as your left or right guard. But it's about replacing the guy. So what do you do? Let's start with the homegrown talent first. Uh, you go ahead and add, add, add you go ahead and add Aki Aki Ojinobi. Why he is the most experienced? Plain simple, he has played the most amount of games. And the reality is, is that even though he was a little bit of trouble, and the reason why that they had to go ahead and move Kenyon Green back to guard was because that they realized that Ruben Fathery was a better tackle, and Aki just was not prepared. 
he has seen SEC reps. He has played in SEC games. And next season, he is a guy who's going to be a veteran, along with Leighton Robinson, along with Jameer John, I mean, along with Bryce Foster, and along with Ruben Fathering. He has played. He's very good in run blocking. He needs to work a lot on pass protection. Go back and watch his game against um, um, Arkansas. Go watch the Arkansas game. A lot of the time, that pressure against Zach Calzada was coming on his side. A lot of the time against Colorado, the pressure was coming in on his side when it was pass protection. As a run blocker, he was actually one of the two main guys who got the field open to allow Isaiah Spiller to run and get that 67-yard touchdown at Arlington. He was one of those guys. Did a fantastic job at closing the gap, opening the running lane, and just letting it fly. Fantastic. Now, here's the other kicker. There's another thing that you could do. And this is the other option that I think internally you could do. If you believe Luke Matthews can come back and play up to speed as a tackle, I mean, as a center, you play him at center and you move Bryce Foster back to his natural position of guard. One of the main reasons why Jimbo Fisher felt comfortable playing a guy like Bryce Foster who had never done center work was because of his upside and his IQ and his ability to learn quickly, all that. When you watch that, when you see that happen... To me, he can easily learn the position without question, go into the building, find a way to be successful, and become exactly what he was doing at center, which is really, really good run blocking, pretty solid pass protection, add that to the guard position. The only question would be, is he fast enough to pull? Because when you watch how uh, AM, I think, is going to utilize the run next year, they're going to try to pound it as much as possible to the outside because they now have a speed threat as probably their number one running back, and that would be uh, Devon A-Chain. So what you would do is you would need to have the guard, and you'd have to pull him around to get your lead block to cut off the edge and allow your out, your running back to basically go one-on-one with the cornerback. Because what's going to happen is you're going to have your two, your center and your guard, I mean your center, yeah, your center and your guard kind of pinch block this guy. You're going to have your tackle pull the outside linebacker, and then there's that edge position or the linebacker position. Somebody's coming downhill. That guard's got to move fast enough to get around, go ahead and cl- uh, close the gap there. Free running lane to the outside. That's what you have to have next year. And that's personally what I think that you need to do if you're Texas A&M. Because you have two very good fast running backs in Amari Daniels and Devon A-Chain. Plus you're adding in Le'Veon Moss, who I actually think is a lot more like Devon A-Chain than people want to give him credit for. But I look, if Foster can do that, go ahead and play him there. Because if he's versatile, and the biggest thing is that that's where he was naturally playing at Katie Taylor coming out of high school. He was a guard. He was an absolute stellar guard. One of the best guards in the country. And Jimbo Fisher asked him to play center because if they thought, you know what, this is a better fit. This is a better spot for you right now. And this is the way that we can get you on the field to help contribute with the team. I would not be shocked when we go back in spring and like March and we start seeing practice, Foster taking reps at the left guard position, not the center position. I would not be shocked to see that. I really wouldn't. This episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. It's a new year, which means New Year's resolutions. And if you're getting in the mood of getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is not just a protein bar because it's actually more like a candy bar, but is it? It's actually kind of better than a candy bar if you really think about it. Built Bar is made to make it easier to stick to your resolutions. And most bars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they contain the right fit for you. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a normal candy bar, which has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens and dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea, and we'll just let you go ahead and do it this way. Whether you're at home, put it in the pantry, office, car, wherever, you don't even have to go work out. 
It's just a really healthy kick to kickstart your day. Plus, there's all these unique flavors that you can go ahead and try. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. New year, new you. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day. Now make sure your second listen is, of course, Locked On Bets. We do a human eating food. We do mixed odds. We do everything you go visit the Locked On Bets Podcast Finally, this is the wild card. And I've done this for every single group, and I'm going to continue to do this next week when we go into Leon, when we go into some names defensively, when we go into that. When you look right now, at Kenyon Green, he went to Atascacita High School, and he was one of the very first people that Jimbo Fisher was enamored by and said, I want this kid to come to College Station. This kid needs to be in College Station, no questions asked. When that happened, when that was the case, when that was the deal, what happened was they were seeing another kid as well. He's a freshman, he's like six foot three, still growing into his body, and he's playing tackle. He was playing the opposite tackle. He was a freshman already on varsity. And Jimbo Fisher probably sat there and went, I love this kid. I love this Kenyon Green guy. I'm here for this kid. That was Cam Dewberry. Dewberry, who went down to the wire with this decision between Texas and Texas A&M, officially declared to go to Texas A&M on early signing period. Big time get, one of the highest rated offensive linemen in the class. I think he's like number three in the state of Texas behind Kelvin Banks and uh, there's one other guy. I'm blanking on who it is, but I think like he's the number three overall prospect at the uh, tackle position in Texas. In a very similar way, he's built like Kenyon Green. In a very, very, very similar way, he's built to be a guard that could kick out to tackle. And when you look right now at some of the positions, and you're starting to see this a lot in the NFL, a guy like uh, Joel Batonio is doing this really well, well right now. He started off a guard, and they need him in a pinch. And because they need him in a pinch, he's not playing tackle. And he's uh, actually doing a pretty good job of it. When you look at Ruben Fathery, he's going to have to either play left tackle or right tackle. And we'll get into that probably on Monday's show. Because if that's going to be a big deal with Jameer Johnson going to the NFL. When you look at that and you look at what a guy like Dewberry can do, you have some tackle prospects already on the roster. Trazon is a really, really good one. I think Blake Trainer did enough this year to kind of prove that he deserves some reps at right tackle. But you need some for the future. That's where you go ahead and play Cam Dewberry in the same situation like you did with the likes of Kenyon Green. Ultimately, you want him to play outside. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. That's a whole different story. But a guy of this mentality, a guy who has such great zone blocking, guy who's really honed in on his ability to close running lanes very quickly and open big, big gaps, that to me is worthy of starting. And Jim Fisher has not been afraid to start freshman. Layden Robinson was a redshirt freshman. Bryce Foster was on campus for three months before he started. Ruben Fathery was on campus for three months before he started getting reps, and it was like by week five, he was the starting right tackle, and he's going to be a staple of this offensive line next year. He's not afraid to go ahead and play these freshmen because of they're the ones who are going to give him the best shot to win. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. How do you win? Who do you beat? How do you get there? And most importantly, can you do it consistently? Cam Dewberry consistently won the running gaps. Cam Dewberry consistently did a fantastic job playing that left tackle role at Atascacita. And I think he has a lot of skill sets to where when you put him inside a college offense, 
He's going to be able to have a lot of success inside because of his body and his mass. His frame fits that tackle mold, but you're playing him as a guard because of he knows how to read and react like a tackle. So he's got that quickness inside. That quickness is going to be utilized really a lot on pulls, really a lot on that stuff. So it would not shock me to see him actually get some reps early on, maybe even start in the same similar fashion of what you saw with Ruben Fathery this year. Week five, week six, week eight, something along the lines of that. But that to me is probably the wild card and the only young player I would see probably making it onto the roster as a starter from this from this offensive line class, at least. That's gonna do it for this edition of Locked On Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. I'll be back on Monday to break down what to do to replace Jameer Johnson, the left tackle extraordinaire. What do we do there? How do we figure it out? Is it simple as just moving Ruben Fathery over, or do we have to go in a whole different election? We'll talk about that on a whole other day. Happy New Year to you all. Thank you so much for being Have a good one, guys. Thanks. Give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.